the American Battlefield Trust seeks to preserve our nation's hallowed battlegrounds and educate the public about what happened there and why it matters today. They permanently protect these battlefields for future generations as a lasting and tangible memorial to the brave soldiers who fought in the American Revolution, the War of 1812, and the Civil War. You can help save battlefield land today by visiting battlefields.org. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tattooed Historian Show. My name is John. I am the Tattooed Historian, and I'm really happy to be taking this podcast international with this particular interview this week. I am speaking with Grant Maltman, who is the curator of the Bantinghouse National Historic Site in London, Ontario. We sat down for about an hour. We talked about Sir Frederick Banting, and you will learn a lot about him. You'll learn a lot about the house, which is now basically a site of pilgrimage for those who are diabetic or have friends or relatives who have diabetes. This is a place that many from around the world come to every year. And it was just great to be able to sit down with Grant inside the house and talk about the house, talk about Sir Frederick Banting, and talk about his discovery uh, of what would become insulin and this year marks 100 years since he woke up on the morning of Halloween and jotted down some notes which would later be made into insulin after much trial and error and so Grant and I sat down we talked as I said for about an hour we talked in the home now this home was built in the early 20th century so I want you to remember that the, the soundproofing in this house isn't going to be the best. You're going to hear traffic outside because we are right in uh, East London with this particular uh, location. So you're going to hear that. You may even hear some of the heat coming on and off from the furnace because it is pretty chilly here in London, Ontario right now. And we had to uh, keep the place warm and cozy. So there's going to be some background noise, but you know, That's what I like, guys. I like to have that authentic experience. It's going to be like you are sitting there talking with us while uh, everything transpires. And it's a really nice, authentic way to do a podcast, at least for me. I'm not too much of a studio person. I like getting out into the real world, as it were, and do these kind of recordings. So this is a good one because you're going to get a lot of information. You're going to get a lot of knowledge about the house, about Sir Frederick Banding. You're going to see... There's going to be many events coming up, and Grant talks about that near the end. So if you ever get to London, Ontario, you're going to want to check this place out. And they're all over social media as well. So you go onto Facebook, you go onto Twitter, Instagram, you'll find Banting House on there. And they do a great job promoting themselves on those sites. So, my friends, without further ado, here is Grant Maltman, curator of the Banting House National Historic Site in London, Ontario.
What's up, everybody? Thank you again for tuning in to this episode of the Tattoo Historian Show. I am here inside the Banting House with my friend Grant Maltman, and we are live inside the house, and I'm sure you'll hear the traffic going by. But Grant, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thanks for having us. This is, uh, is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, and we are just uh, sitting here lounging in... What part of the house are we in right now? Uh, this is uh, one of our only three named galleries in, in the building. It's, uh, it was originally the parlor of the house. It's actually one of the rooms that Banding didn't own, or, or occupy, I guess would be the right phrase, when he purchased the house. Uh, when he lived here, he actually shared it with another family, and this was their room. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So wait, you'll, you'll get a little bit of, like I said, the traffic noise in the background, so you'll feel like you're here with us. And uh, it's just a, a great room to podcast in. And thank you, Grant, for allowing us to do that inside the house because that's really cool. Well, I think just adds going to add to the, the flavor of the discussion. It uh, um, helps, well, helps ground me why we're here. Uh, this right. room is sort of a uh, uh, permanent installation on the history of the house and how we, how we came to be. So I think it's uh, apropos that we're, we start off here. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And uh, tell everyone about yourself, Grant, your background and, and what you do here at Banting House. Well, uh, my name is Grant Maltman. I'm the curator here at Banning House National Historic Site of Canada. Um, I've been here almost 30 years now. It, uh, it's really hard to believe. It was when I came here, it was going to be a, a stepping stone, a sort of three to five and out. Uh, but every time I'm about ready to go, something big happens, whether it be an anniversary or someone with a name like His Excellency or Her Excellency is going to come and or the, the Royal Canadian Mint wants to do a coin. Those, so these are great stories that keep you around. And um, I actually went to Banting Secondary School here in London. Oh, really? Yeah, which is it's always funny. I have, uh, in a couple of the exhibits, I have my own little Hitchcockian moments. I got a picture in there uh, when I was in high school, but I was on the student council. And uh, uh, when the museum was getting open in the early 80s, uh, I convinced the student body that, uh, as our namesake, we should be helping out this museum. And so I came here for a, well, it was a, a special events and presented the museum with a check. And then about 10 years later, I became their, their first employee and sort of like have never really left. Yeah, it seems like uh, you have a love for this place. Like you know, you're really connected. Yeah, I it. Um, I never liked it when people said, "Oh, you're so passionate about what about the place." And and I, I well, no, I'm a I'm a museum professional. I'm mm -hmm. this is what we do, and this is what I like. But you become attached to it. It's 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 not only the collection, uh, which is really fascinating. It's diverse. It's uh, story after story after story, but uh, sort of as we were talking earlier off air, it's the people who come through here. Um, mm -hmm. When you hear words like pilgrimage, when you have people uh, saying thank you to you for having this building open and what it means to them as individuals or to, or to the global community, um, I really have the best of, of many worlds working here. Uh, I get Christmas cards well, not cards, a, a Christmas card from a gentleman who visited, uh, he and his wife visited about 25 years ago. Uh, it was on her bucket list to come here. Uh, she had type 1 diabetes. She died about 10 years ago, and I still get a Christmas card from Peter saying, wow. hope things are going well there. Uh, thanks for the update, because I'll send him a note every, every once in a while just to see how things are going. But yeah, it, uh, and you know, as museum professionals, you don't get that too often. So it really adds to the, to the importance of place and that sort of personal level, which which we try to bring to our visitors when they come through here. Mm -hmm. 
And and as I said, we are right in downtown, well, right off downtown London, I guess mm-hmm. you could yeah, say. A little bit east. A little yeah. bit east of there. And uh, it's highly trafficked area here. And some people, sadly, because of, of the place that we are in, sometimes just drive by and don't even know. Yeah, we always joke we're, we're, in a lot of ways, we're our most recognized known but unknown landmark and and it, you know a lot of us i've always wanted to come through and I say yep and then the light turned green and they <laughs> right. all smile at you. <laughs> right. and then and then they they keep going or they might call and say well where are you located and we'll say well at the corner of queens and adelaide uh in the old east village and the queens and adelaide like, yep you can't miss this this is a big flame burning up front <laughs> and they'll say oh right the diabetes flame banting click <laughs> right. it, oh of course how did i not know it was here yeah. but uh and you know and when they when they do come through it's 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 you hear a lot oh i should have come or i've always wanted to come and mm-hmm. and you just accept the fact that you you tend to visit museums on holiday and vacation elsewhere mm-hmm. you know you often don't take in your local community uh institutions unless you have family visiting from out of town and you need to get them out of their house for a couple hours. Oh, let's go see the see the local museum, and and right. so we benef- benefited from that as as more and more people get to know that we're here. So let's talk about the house itself because we're sitting in this beautiful structure, uh, and the man that we, the man of the hour, <laughs> uh, Banting himself. Tell us about Banting before he comes here. Well, uh, he grew up in a small rural community uh, north of Toronto in Alliston, a uh, farm, farming community. He had three brothers and a sister. Um, he, his three brothers got money for land. His sister got money to go to Paris to paint. And uh, he was going to go to school and went to the University of Toronto. Uh, wasn't an overly uh, strong student in the beginning. Actually failed his first year doing a general arts degree. Uh, switches into medicine and, and does uh, a bit better. And uh, Again, another interesting story in connections when Banty's at the University of Toronto, one of his classmates is Dr. Norman Bethune, another famous Canadian physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're classmates. Uh, he's uh, graduates uh, from the University of Toronto Medical School heads over to France, uh, becomes a decorated war hero in the First World War, a military cross winner. Again, something that uh, as Canadians we don't know about. Uh, discovering insulin casts a long shadow, and mm-hmm. so very few of us know he served in the war, let alone he's a national war hero. Uh, returns to Toronto after the war, hopes to become a house surgeon at the Hospital for Sick Children, and realizes there are just too many surgeons in Toronto uh, mm. at that point. And so he's encouraged to come to London, Ontario. It's a, a growing population. Uh, there's a university uh, with a medical school. There are a couple of hospitals. His fiance lived down the highway in, in Ingersoll. Uh, she was reason number four, uh, mm. but was a reason to come. And um, uh, really purchases this house from a, uh, another local family, a well-known shoe merchant. Uh, their new home wasn't ready. He's single. He didn't need the whole house. So he says, why don't you stay? Uh, I'll take three rooms. So his, a room for his office, uh, a small apothecary, and a bedroom, um, which worked out well because this house built in 1900. It's it's your typical Southwest Ontario, Queen Anne. Uh, it's yellow brick. We call it London white brick. Um, you know, two and a half story home uh, that was pur- purpose built in 1900 as a doctor's office and private residence. Okay. So that that worked out well for him, and um, and that's how he ends up here. Yeah, it's an awesome 
structure because when I first visited here last year, it was it just stood out mainly because there's no other structure around here. It looks like it. everything's built up around it now, mm-hmm. and it's more modern and such. And then you have this place that's a, a, a wonderful historic site that's that's just there with, like you say, this this flame outside uh, that was lit. That we can talk about later, and it's just a really neat place to see because it's a focal point for a historian. Because like wow, why is that house sitting out there in the middle? Yeah, it really, it really, just, it really does just pop. You know, yeah. it's behind. Uh, this wasn't in a uh, bit of it. It was East London. It was originally called so it was owned before it was amalgamated uh, by a city. And we're surrounded with a few uh, other Queen Anne's on this side, east of Adelaide. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a working class district, so you see more uh, workers' cottages. Uh, than our nice. This house, there's uh, where our square is now, was a beautiful two-story uh, uh, sort of a combo Queen Anne King Edward so it's a home uh, big balconies he was the owner of that house uh, was a physician and he actually uh, subdivided the lot and built this house mm. for his son and so this is act this is actually the small house compared okay. to the one that was here uh, previously beside it Wow that's really neat. Yeah, so its context has changed. So it's yeah. now now it's the the palace of the corner, whereas the original house that's no longer here uh, was. Yeah, so Banting originally, uh, Ferry Banting originally, did his work in the in the front room here. Uh, yeah, so that so was what his office was. That's where his office was, and it, it wasn't a, a build it and they will come scenario. Uh, he basically does everything wrong when he comes here. Uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon. It's the area of the general practitioner. He doesn't know very many people in London. This new field. Um, his location isn't great as a, as a new person. It's a high traffic area now as a mm-hmm. sort of four lane, but it wasn't as, as busy as it was. Uh, there was light rail in London uh, we had here. We like to joke now that we our light rail transit system failed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they used to have streetcar go, go by but you can't advertise in 1920. Uh, you can put your name up front, uh, Frederick Banting, MD, but uh, there's a beautiful silver maple in front of the front window. So you're not gonna mm-hmm. see the sign, and, and it's, we're gonna be recreating that scene as part of our centenary project, bringing the silver maple back. Um, put your name in the phone book, but the phone book came out in April. He moved here in June. Uh, opens the door on July 1st, uh, 1920. And Canada Day wasn't celebrated like it was as it is today, and uh, has some really terrible office hours. Uh, it, it, people today talk about they can't get in to see their doctor. His office hours were one to three uh, in the afternoon and seven to eight in the evening. <laughs> and um, so he opens the door, as I say, on July 1st, and his first patient arrives 28 days later. Wow. And according to his memoir, it's not even a real medical problem. It's, a, it's a, an illegal alcohol prescription because Ontario was still under the Prohibition Act. <laughs> That's amazing. It seems like he's just like got hard luck the first. Yeah, it, and it, it, you know, he, yeah, he, you know, he later uh, referred to London as the place of my hours of misery. Wow. Uh, yet it was here that I obtained an idea that was changed my life and possibly the lives of others. Right. And when you look back at that statement, well, yes, it did change your life, right. possibly the lives of others. Uh, by the time of his death, a million people were on insulin. Yeah. Uh, so there's no possibly, you know, uh, right. before insulin, your diabetes is a death sentence. And mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a really interesting reflection back on the city. So 100 years ago, when he's opening his, his practice here, this summer will be 100 years. Uh, he's really not 
up to par as far as what he wants to be doing. He's not he's not anywhere close to what he wants to be doing. He's nope. down on his luck, basically. Yep, he uh, owes seventy eight hundred dollars on the house. Uh, he has purchased this lemon of a car that's always breaking down, and he built a uh, spent about a thousand dollars on a garage out back to house this car. Um, his relationship with his fiance is sort of up and down during this period. And uh, yeah, things, things are not going according to plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, he has a, a friend, a uh, classmate, uh, Dr. Uh, William too. So at least he knows somebody in the city, but it's, it's, uh, it's a struggle for sure. Yeah. So that, that's kind of an interesting concept to think about for a lot of people, because when we talk about Sir Frederick Banting, we think about this idea that he came up with here and, we go forward from there many times. We don't think about the hard luck no. that, and, and the determination it takes to get through that hard luck period. No, uh, as, as, as Canadians, um, well, people in general, you know, the discovery of insulin is seen in a singular moment of time, you know, banting and best in the dog on the rooftop, but we don't know anything about the, the backstory or after. It's, it's almost like, oh, he discovered insulin and went back to Mars because that's where he came from. And, <laughs> right. and that's one of the beauties of, of, of this site is that we can introduce Canadians to, this, to the man they think they know. And, um, you know, the, when we talk about his struggles here, it also laid a foundation for other things. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that we've been promoting past number of years to, to, to bring people into the museum is his art. Uh, he's, you know, we're pretty fortunate, you know, a lot of famous people painted a lot of famous people that art, you know, I know it's in the eye of the beholder, but a lot of it's not that good. Uh, (laughs) but it had this name associated to it. Uh, we're fortunate that Banting's, Banting's work aren't bad. even the early, early stuff. And it was something that he started here in London, when he needs this escape, he, he talks about he needs to uh, get away from uh, from worry, with his practice, his debts, mm-hmm. with his fiance, and he's uh, on Dundas Street, uh, so about a block south of us here. And he walks by an art store and sees a painting window and said, "I can do that." I mean, he dabbled like all kids do right. uh, as a child. So, he, uh, but he really doesn't know what he's doing. Much like everything else in London, it seems. Uh, he walks into the store. He buys watercolor brushes, uh, uh, thick oil paints, and he starts drawing pictures from magazines. Mm. Um, and because he doesn't have two nickels to rub together, he, he can't afford studio boards. And so he's actually using the cardboard from the laundromat when his clothes came back. That's what he's using. Wow. And uh, about five years ago, one of those paintings came back to us as a gift. Uh, so it's the only known painting to survive from here. And this is something, uh, 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 a passionate uh, escapism for him. Uh, it's a way to get away from everything. Uh, becomes friends with our group of seven you know, painters. Uh, A.Y. Jackson's best friend and they paint together for about 13 years. Mm. And just before the war, he says, you know, I'm at 50, I'm done with science. Science is a young man's game. I can't wait until this war is over so Alex and I can go back to the country and paint again. So he's prepared, mm. prepared to leave. And, and so that's one of those uh, claims to fame here in London this time here is that uh, a pretty decent amateur art career got a got start of his misery here. So there's, uh, there's uh, turning a, a negative into a positive. Right. That's amazing. The you're getting ready for the big thing this year and then we're going to talk about that in a little bit but as he progresses through the summer and into the autumn of 1920 
how's his I guess his life changing is it changing at all or does it only change on the night in question that is the singular night right so um, the practice is starting to grow uh, the Hill family are bringing family and friends in, so he's starting to get known. Um, and late August, early September, uh, a wonderful opportunity. Uh, Frederick Miller from Western's Medical School comes knocking. They need demonstrators at, at the school. Surgery, physiology, anatomy, banding, you know, throws his name in that. Sure, I'll be happy to do it. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity because it's going to be $2 an hour. Mm. He does three labs in the first couple of weeks of September. He will equal his entire July income of $6, of which two of it was the legal alcohol sale. <laughs> wow. so, it's, uh, so it becomes this wonderful opportunity for him. Um, he enjoys his time at Western. You know, we see some of his own notes and, and uh, from some of the other archives, whether it be speaking to the Harvey Club or involved with the Ulster Society. Uh, he enjoys just being with the students. Um, much preferred being in the lab than the electoral itself. This is a uh, uh, type of individual he was. And things are, are progressing fine. And he's asked to give a lecture on the subject of the pancreas and its possible relationship with diabetes, carbohydrate, metabolism. And one of the, uh, he's not a, I think he's a better public speaker than we've been led to believe. Really? When you see some of these things, especially from his time here at Western, when talking about some of the, the talks that he gave, um, I think he's uh, still uncomfortable with it. But, but okay, I'm going to do this lecture. Uh, and then the problem, I guess, is um, the great myth around the discovery of insulin. Um, one of the things we get to, to address here is Banting was on this basically on this quest to find a cure for diabetes because a 14-year-old boy or girl, friend or cousin, depending on who's telling the story, and the key is this child has diabetes, the child, abandoned knows the child, the child's succumbed to the disease. Mm -hmm. So this is what's going to set him on this journey. Mm -hmm. Well, we immediately dismiss this with the fact that the only re reason he's in medical school is because he failed general arts. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't right. that, that take care of the quest. Uh, and so, and then... Then people think, oh, well, if he makes this great discovery, he must have known about this disease and what it was all about. And when you go through his notes, he even references, you know, I have one paragraph of notes on diabetes from my mm -hmm. medical school. You know, uh, diabetes, we we're pretty sure the pancreas is involved somehow. Uh, you got a late teens, early 20s. Your, uh, the only treatment was the Frederick Allen diet, which is a starvation diet. And then once you're on that diet, your life expectancy is about six months to two years. Mm. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Mm -hmm. you, you can't do much of a lecture on, on four sentences. Right. So he, he goes to, to the medical school, reads whatever he can, prepares his lecture on the 30th of October. And then that night, uh, as his usual practice, he reads himself to sleep. He takes to bed with him a surgical journal, and he opens it up, and there's this survey article by Moses Barron from the Mayo Clinic, and it's a survey article on diabetes and mm. some uh, diabetes research, diabetes projects. Well, this is what I'm talking about. Maybe I should read it. Maybe I incorporate it in my lecture. Um, and then retires for the evening. And in his memoir, he writes... Uh, 
It was a night of restless sleep. The lecture I prepared and the article I read chased each other in my mind for some time. At 2 a.m., they came together and gave me the idea. I got up. I wrote down. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Those 25 words would lead to the discovery of insulin 10 months later, after only about 12 weeks of experiments. Wow. Yeah, it, it, it truly is that eureka moment, epiphany, you know, moon, Venus lined up, whatever your, your beliefs are. But that, that, that moment changed the course of medical history uh, and really Canadian history. Uh, and one of the really fun ironies that we always point out is we have a, a copy of the hypothesis here. And they'll look at it and say, oh, diabetes from the Latin. No, it's Fred Banding. It's a terrible speller, it's, uh, you know, but and, and uh, um, because our, our tours are, are rather informal, you know, because they become conversations. Uh, I remember once taking a physician through and he says, why don't we cut him some slack? Look at his penmanship. Uh, there's not a thing of his that we can't read. So uh, we don't we don't mind it for that. Yeah. And, and that room that he came up with the idea you have recreated yes we yeah we restored it about uh, about 10 years ago we got a wonderful grant from the london heritage council and uh took it right back to the original wallpaper we found it underneath Mm. two layers of paint and a layer of wallpaper uh from a conservation standpoint um we lucked out when we found it we had it was our understanding that that room had been redone and what have you and so Mm -hmm. we're just stripping uh you know, when the museum first opened in the 1980s, it sort of had the ye olde Victorian wallpaper, you know, and it just didn't fit for what was here. And so we started stripping it off. And we, we had done a couple of sample areas and found, no, there's nothing there. And uh, the crew I had working there was fantastic. They pull off a section and you just hear this, uh-oh, and they stop. And they come find me and say, but there's a stencil on wallpaper underneath this. Uh, so we brought our conservation crew in and yeah, we're dating it to 1900. So, uh, uh, probably the period of Banting's occupancy and, um, and the thought was how, how do we preserve the resource? Do we keep this one section open so the public can see it and then you leave it all covered. And what we discovered was by protecting the resource, leaving the paint and wallpaper on and covering it. Actually, we were going to lose the resource because the ink was transferring mm. to the, mm-hmm. the other side. Right. So we, it was about a three-month restoration process. Wow. And uh, it sort of just adds to some of the authenticity of the room. It's the original linoleum on the floor. Um, we have his bed. Uh, the family uh, generously donated back to us when the museum first opened. Uh, and it's, it, it has become our most photo, photographed room. It's, it's our, it's our spiritual room. Uh, it's our crying room. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we do have a box of Kleenex in there and, and perhaps we'll get into some of those stories later. Um, it, but it is our raison d'etre. You know, we're a national historic site because of the event of that idea on October 31st, 1920. And so it's, a, it's it really speaks to, to the importance of place. It's a pretty powerful spot. I was going to say that uh, about how when I first came here and, and you, you showed me around and showed me through, uh, it, you have the, the almost museum setting and the downstairs. When you get upstairs, there's, there's displays as a museum would be. But then you get to that room and it's just like a different atmosphere. It's a different environment. Even for someone like me who's not diabetic, it's just that there's something to that room that makes it special because it's it's not like any other room in the house. No, I, I, I agree totally. Um, one of the things, so under our designation as a National Historic Site of Canada, 
um, the three rooms he occupied, we have a responsibility to restore to his period of occupancy, and the rest is fair game for us. So as, as a public historian, it, this is awesome because we get to do whatever we want you know, and tell the story. Um, and so it's a bit of a just disjointed tour when you're going through, but I think which also adds to the element of that room because uh, uh, as we approach, we have our, our faces of diabetes. So we're showing people who are alive because of, uh, of the discovery of insulin. And, and then when you, you step into that room, you really do step back into a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it, it is, it's, uh, your, your listeners might know, it's not a Sir John A. may have slept here story. <laughs> you know, we know this is where it happened. That right. here, the world changed. That, that, you know, thank goodness he wrote it down. You know, yeah. how good was that dream you had last night? You said, oh, this is so good. I'm going to remember it this time. Right. You know, and we've all, all been there. Um, this is something that, you know, the, the diabetes condition was first recorded about 1552 BCE. You know, I'm banning 3,500 years later, reads five or six articles and gives what is today still our only true treatment for type 1 diabetes. Um, for our visitors, when they come there, they get to, they, you know, the lights are dim, uh, in part for setting, uh, also to, to help conserve the wallpaper um but they stand there and they they can actually almost experience that that time you know it's it's not quite two in the morning but it's dark enough to realize and you're just thinking he you know he was in this bed you know Mm -hmm. this bed i'm not supposed to touch yet they all accidentally lean into it you know or (laughs) you know they say it's okay you can you can rub the fin you can see where the finish as you saw the finish is rubbed. but they they our visitors tell us they they talk about a, a a warmth to the room mm-hmm. uh you know we hear a lot of you know i feel the presence of god in this room or uh you know there's just there's just there's something powerful mm-hmm. about that room i think which which just lends to the story and i think for those um for those affected by diabetes uh they take ownership of the room and in taking ownership of that room they're also saying to the world this place this place is special right. um you know, we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the discovery of insulin in 2021. You know, so 100 years later, we have better insulin. Mm-hmm. What we still don't have is anything better than insulin. Mm-hmm. And that's why that room is so, is so, is so powerful for people. You know, um, I don't know if you want to get into the stories of the visitors. I mean, you know, sure. how, you know I had uh, sometimes people can't come in the room. You know, they'll just put one foot in and, and say thank you. Uh, I had a woman uh, visit from England, uh, and and your visitors come through. You get to know how they're connected. You know whether they you know probably say you know I have type one diabetes or this is a bucket list for me because someone in my family. And this was uh, uh, just a you know from my perspective, just a cultural tourist. And uh, she, uh, this is going back, gosh. 25 years ago now um and i can still see it uh, a couple of tours really stand out and and, and sure, this is yeah. this is one of them um she starts to get emotional in the room and, you know and you know respectfully as emotional as an english woman who allow in public mm-hmm. pretty stiff upper lip but mm-hmm. so i asked her you know why is this affecting you and she says I, I waited 20 years to come to canada to see this house because someone had forwarded her the michael bliss biography uh, on banting and uh he goes in well depth into the london story and just the controversy over the issue of credit uh, over the discovery of insulin means nothing to my family because Dr. Banting woke up in this room with his idea the day he did 
means insulin was discovered the day it was, which meant insulin arrived in England the day it did, which meant my father who was at that hospital that received one of those early batches was able to get his first shot. Mm. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, great story. Um, and then it's sort of a bit of a pregnant pause. And then she just looks at me and says, and that means 15 years later, I was born. Mm-hmm. I got to meet them. This is the first time I had really understood meeting the potential missing generation. Right. If Banning hadn't woken up, most experts believe insulin's not discovered in 1921 without Banting's 1920 idea. Mm-hmm. And if that's the and so 23, 24 seems to be the, the rule of thumb, uh, would be a European discovery. Um, yeah, yeah, her father didn't have that time. And as we were mm-hmm. saying, it's six months to two, two years is your life expectancy. So even if it is in Europe, the chances of that getting. Uh, being in England and that and her father so uh, that's uh, you know I tell that on tour and you whether it be a group of students or our family you, you literally can hear a pin drop you know when it, and because it's something just it becomes so real probably the most uh, emotional story was a young mom maybe 30 years old had her first child and it type uh, this child at 10 months old is diagnosed with type 1 so she's just learning to be a new mom this is pre-internet and it's just stacks of paper and you're learning and as a new parent you're 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 nervous about everything anyways on the first child you know it's uh uh you know make sure they're breathing properly what have you and and so she comes to the diabetes canada office because which is attached here at the back of the museum and does the tour and you know it's going in and out and which is totally understandable but if you just she just wanted to know and to learn and to soak in and 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 that's what we do because this this place offers a comfort for people because mm-hmm. while it's a sad story there's there's a great ending right. you know right and uh she comes into the room sits on the bed and just lets go mm-hmm. and that's okay if you're crying in here you get it you're not the first person to cry you're not going to be the last you just take all the time you need my office is just down the hall so about 10 minutes later you still hear crying so you because you want to give them their space you know right you know i don't have diabetes you know Mm -hmm. uh this is obvious so you take all the time time you need and so about 10 minutes later you sort of just you you mosey down like you always do and make sure it's okay bring a box kleenex or some things for and i could see it like it was yesterday she just looked at me stood up takes his deep breath and it instantly dries up mm-hmm. no thank you i will never shed another tear over this my child is going to live because it happened in this room all those years ago wow oh ma'am here here's the keys you can lock up when you're ready to go you know yeah, i yeah. mean it, 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 it doesn't get any as a as a public historian it, it doesn't get any more rewarding than that here's someone mm-hmm. who understood what we're trying to do understood the event that was there appreciated it mm-hmm. you know and gave comfort um, I've, you know, I had a scientist lay down on, on, on the bed, you know, you know, before I could, you know, we do let people sit on it, uh, you know, and he just lays down and, and, and when he gets up, he's very apologetic. He says, but you know, I've been doing diabetes research in Argentina for more than 30 years. This is the site of the greatest moment in my field. I mean, now that I've been here, maybe I can finish his work. Okay. 463 million with diabetes around the world today, that number doubling about every 10 years, you know, if you'd like to take a power nap, who am I to stop you? Right. You know, yeah, and, right, and, yeah. and see what you do. There, there are people looking for that answer. And so that's, I think, you know, you know it's a long-winded answer to your, to your question, but that really speaks to, to, to that room that being so different. You right. know, it, it, you are standing in there. You are uh, 
you are stepping back in that moment of time. And you know, it's that, that phrase we're using all our marketing, you know, experience this moment in time. Right. Um, but people get to do that. And I think uh, when they're in there, and I think one of the added levels is the, the Dear Dr. Banting display that we have in the room. So it's a, um, it's a, a small tabletop where you can see his hypothesis, you can see the memoir that he wrote, uh, his textbook uh, page that he referenced in preparing his lecture. And we left these blank recipe cards. And uh, we were, initial thoughts was this would be a good way to get to gauge our visitors. Did they like the tour? Did they like the room? How were you know, because people, you know, when you get to the gift shop where most guest books are in museums, it's, I want to pay my, uh, my admission and get out, you know, right. type of thing. And so right. this, we thought this, maybe this could be the sneaky guest book for mm -hmm. us. Uh, but much to our surprise, uh, it wasn't, you know, I like the wallpaper, the tour guide was great. It was, dear Dr. Banting, thank you for giving me an opportunity to lead a fulfilling life to my family. Or, dear Dr. Banting, this is the greatest moment for all children with type 1. My daughter diagnosed last week at age 2 deserves to live. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're writing these short, sometimes they're simple, you know, one or two sentences. Uh, sometimes you're getting full paragraphs, writing front and back. They write in their own language. Mm -hmm. uh, researchers talk about how they're, after standing in the room where it all began, become reinvigorated in their own work or students, you know. Back to the physiology book now. I, I, you know, this is this is that purpose, and it becomes this opportunity for the for the diabetes community to share their stories with us. Um, and yeah, as you're saying about stepping back in time, these are people writing to a man who's been dead for almost eighty years. Right. You know, it's not right. what a neat room. It's dear Doctor Manning with this almost like this expectation that he's going to see it. Yeah. and read it uh recently it was um it was uh, one of my favorite you know of your hundreds of favorites you know we have about two thousand of these letters in our, in our collection but one of my more recent ones that really stands out it was you know dear dr banting family story uh you know someone in the family's alive uh, thank you we can never thank you enough for what you've done the bembos from england not to be concerned with the Bembos from Nova Scotia, you know, this type of thing. And, and right. uh, uh, right. while there's no expectation, there's, there's going to be a return letter. Uh, right. But there, it, it, uh, uh, there's this almost, you know, he's going to see this. And uh, what, what's really fascinating is these letters are no different than the letters he received in the 20s and 30s. Mm. You know, we, we uh, uh, you know, I like to think myself, you know, uh, the unwitting genius we recently received a card from a uh, dear dr banding letter that was on a recipe card written in 1924 <laughs> uh, a six-year-old girl you know and it's all genius that's what we're using here uh <laughs> and then uh you know uh, this gentleman in new york you know i uh, was thinking of you the other day so i thought i'd drop a note things are going pretty well down here uh, uh i've gained weight to the family we were on a picnic uh, in uh, in Central Park, and and I just thought I'd let you drop you a note to let you know I'm doing fine and well. Mm -hmm. Hope hope things are good with you in Toronto. Hmm. You know, it's just wow. you know, I wouldn't think to write to my physician. Right. You know, thanks for the physical this week, and let me know I'm okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. type of thing. And yeah. and and there there are hundreds, and I say we have almost two thousand, three thousand of these letters in our collection. But he, he and, and, and Dr. Best received those kind of letters in the in the twenties and thirties when they were alive. So it's um, 
it the added bonus to these letters I think in some ways it, it they add comfort to the reader mm-hmm. uh, the way the display is set up is sometimes the letters will fall off and of course everyone panics oh I've wrecked wrecked this museum display but uh, in in essence though what it's doing is when they when they go to pick them up you can't help but read the top one it's just natural instinct you know, what and then more times than not you that's pretty close to what I want to say and then they will leave their letter so mm-hmm. so you know right. this is they take ownership as I said earlier take ownership of the room take ownership of the insulin story and share their own insulin story with the rest of the world mm-hmm. to see which in turn brings comfort to others affected by diabetes I'm not alone here's someone feeling the same way this type, that type of thing mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who either listen to the podcast, follow me online, whatever it may be, who are public historians who work in museums and, and such. But I think it's a little different in your case because you're a public historian working in a museum that's also a pilgrimage site for literally millions of people can come here and connect and connect with that room, connect with another piece of uh, uh, something you have in, in, in holdings or anything like that. What is it like being a public historian who works at a pilgrimage site? Because that's different than a public historian who works at a museum. I'm not knocking it, mm. but I've been there. I've done that. I've worked in an archive. I just don't know what it's like to be a public historian at a place where people come in and cry over a room. Mm, yeah. It must be just so rewarding in many aspects. It's rewarding. Um, it's, it's, it also can be really draining. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, I mean, you have, you know, not too many tour guides hug a visitor and right. console them, right. you know, right. or just say, Hey, think, yeah. Um, so there have been more times, you know, I've, you know, come home to my wife and say, I'm, I'm done. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do anything tonight. You know, I'm just going to binge watch something on TV just to get out of that, out of that zone because, um, and so if there's a down and I mean, that's a good downside to have. Oh yeah. Cause some, someone understood what you're, what you're doing. And, uh, you know, we, again, respectfully, you know, we joke at, with the staff, with the volunteers and I'm blessed with a core of, of volunteers, uh, who help give these tours. Uh, we always joke. It's a horrible benchmark. If your visitor cries, hmm. that means they get the story mm-hmm. and they understand the story and they understand that, um, that diabetes is something we still need to worry about. Mm-hmm. You know, right. insulin's a good treatment; it's not a great treatment. So now we have to worry about this complication. This is why we need to find this cure. And then, so we are we are part. Even though we're a historical site, we're a, uh, in some ways we're a living history site, living history site, without churning butter or mm-hmm. you know or having, mm-hmm. having a, a thrasher with, with we. Um, and so it's, uh, it, it's, it's extremely rewarding um, when you see those letters or the, the guest books. As, as, as I was saying earlier, we get Christmas cards. People will send, you know, after a tour, we'll send a, you know, a bouquet of flowers or a basket of fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, which, uh, you know, my colleagues don't get <laughs> at their sites, you know, type of thing. Right. Um, uh, and there's a real, um, it, it's, it, it really makes it f- it makes it fun, you know. It re, uh, one of the uh, advantages of the site is so you have the heavy of of the insulin story, but it's a it's a it is a story of of 
both despair and hope. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get both ends of the pendulum there. But then, you know, we can get the visitor who's interested in military history. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, drained about that. Okay, so let's go talk about World War II and the Frank's flying suit. Right. But, pardon? <laughs> uh, he's involved in military research and, you know, basically, you know, the compression suit that our fire pilots weigh today, Banting worked with in 1939-40. I haven't heard that story. And so it really helps, um, it helps keep you fresh. And, and I think in a lot of ways, uh, my first career path was going to be a teacher. And I, uh, uh, you know, and, and all teachers, you know, I have friends and colleagues, uh, teachers, you know, and it's always about you, you want to find the one student you reach, you know, right. to bring on. Um, and my mentor at my, at my first museum says, you can reach a lot more people doing public history, working in museums, you know. Uh, I like to talk, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, so, it's, you know, you're going to reach a lot more people uh, and still have school kids, you know, come through. And, right. and, and that's what I've been able to do. And so we, um, I grew up in museums, uh, lived in a small town in Northern Ontario and my parents stayed up holidays and we visited national sites and museums. And, and, uh, I still remember two or three, uh, historic interpreters from the early seventies when I was just a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I think I model my try to model myself after that is, you know, I want them to remember visiting this place, and I think right. um, with our stories, as you say, as a pilgrimage site for the people affected by diabetes, yeah, you know, even if the door's not open, they're going to remember visiting this place because mm-hmm. they, they can touch the brick, they can be out in the square, they see the statue, uh, but when coming through and telling these stories, it's 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 um, it's it's gratifying work. And I think that, that it, uh, but as I said, it, it, some days it can be pretty draining uh, when, uh, with, you know, some of the, the emotions and, and, and uh, you know, the one room, one room, the moms will cry, you know, the dads are pretty stoic. And then the second gallery where we show the before and after shots, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the dads are. So it's, it's, it's sort of different levels. Uh, mm-hmm. But in the end, you know, people, uh, you know, people are leaving satisfied. And then I think that's that's the most rewarding thing. Yeah. And on that international aspect, you have multiple tours in multiple languages here, we, which we, is awesome. Yeah, we just started that about, uh, I guess, last spring. Um, as I was saying earlier, I have about uh, 35 uh, volunteers who help do the tours. Uh, many of them are uh, Western students looking to, uh, which is interesting in itself, too. I mean, it's the students who keep you young coming through because mm-hmm. they're, they're they're looking for experience uh, a lot of them are looking to go forward in history but a lot of them uh, have gone off to medical school I've had 14 of my volunteers uh, graduate as physicians wow. uh, or and a number of dietitians because they're looking at these museums as an opportunity to to uh, enhance their own skills mm-hmm. speaking to a diverse audience and so that's uh, we do get the seniors bus tours. We get the young families. We get the people who are English as a second language. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, as our volunteer core grew and people knew about the museum, and that was one of our early days trying to uh, to get people to understand what the museum was about because a lot of people thought it was just an insulin museum. Right. You know, not, not the most interesting thing unless you have diabetes per se. And, uh, and so as more and more students learned about us 
and they're telling their friends and it really becomes a they told two friends and so on and so on mm -hmm. uh, we got this untapped wealth of volunteers who could speak a second language mm -hmm. and with uh, last year we had 86 countries through our doors um, wow. you know many of us we're talking, we're talking about pilgrimage site we're trying how do we offer or enhance our visitation so we just at one of our staff meetings um, well, actually, to step back, one of our, our volunteers uh, um, spoke Russian, mm -hmm. and a tour came through, and they were visitors from Belarus. <laughs> so English wasn't their first language, right. and it was going to be just a, uh, but they needed to come here, diabetes in their family, so they're, you know, with, with, with English, they could understand or what have you, they're just going to go through on their own. She finds it, they speaks Russian, and she gives her first tour in Russian. So as a volunteer, she felt comfortable because she's mm -hmm. speaking in her native language, mm -hmm. all the content, and all of a sudden, it just flows out. And I said, well, how do we do this? And so now on the weekends, um, we can offer usually two, sometimes three times, uh, three different languages uh, they're not, uh, for our visitors to come through, which, is, which has been great as a, as a, uh, an, a lot of uh, new Canadians in London, the, Cross-Cultural Learner Center is not far from here. And so it, it allows um, not only tourists, but newcomers can to learn about a piece of Canadian history in their own language in a way that they're gonna enjoy it or, or better understand it. Uh, you know, you, you, can, you can speak in simple sentences uh, and you know, they can say, yeah, I understand it. And, and you know, they don't. And you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're being polite. And you, so you try your best to get those messages out. And so this, this way we can do it. It's been, been proven very popular for us. I'm sure it's a more welcoming experience because they don't have to try to guess what you're trying to say and then be nice about it and be like, oh, I understand. understand. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Cause, because cause then you feel like you've uh, fell short mm -hmm, in trying to right. get them their messages. And, you know, and, and it helps take a load off the family who brought them through, you know, because they right. don't have to translate. So it doesn't, you know, you, right. you know it's uh, when people go through here, it's always a shock. It's always people think it's going to be a, you know, half hour in and out type of tour but a full right. guided tour take you about 45 minutes to to an hour depending on on your level of interest and so that makes for a very long tour if you're translating for your mom and dad or your cousins visiting from italy oh, yeah. but but you know if if you have your volunteer speaks italian and, and you're going through it becomes uh it, it cuts the time down it lets you catch a break for a minute you know as as, as the host family what have you and it becomes a more engaging tour for them because they can ask a question they actually want to ask because it almost becomes mm -hmm. a burden. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to ask your son, can you ask the guy this question for me? And, you know, no, let's just right. get through. So it's, uh, right. it's, been, uh, it's been one of those things that uh, has really played out well for us. So what is the, what do you believe is the legacy of Banting after insulin? What do you think is the thing that people come in and they're like, well, I didn't know that or... Uh, or how he perished or anything yeah. like that. How do, what do you think is well, that? It's, yeah. it's interesting how you phrase it. What's his legacy? I think his legacy is we don't know who he is. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of this place. Right. Um, uh, because he, the way the, the museum, even though it's in a home, it's not a historic house. This isn't the dining room. Here's the kitchen. Uh, each, each room has been uh, transformed into a gallery speaking to a specific aspect of his life. And probably... Uh, one of the most frequent comments that we hear at the end of the tour is he did all that 
by 49. Mm-hmm. What have I done with my life? You know, I mean, you look at you're raising three kids. You're doing, you're doing okay. Yeah, you have time. <laughs> you've yeah, got yeah. lots of time. You know, the yeah. kids were good. They weren't touching things in the galleries. They were very respectful. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're doing a fine job. And so I, I think that's one of the things that um, we struggled in the beginning to get people to come in because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a historic house. Okay, so Eldon House is a beautiful historic home here. So you get that. It's a doctor's office. Well, not many people visit doctor's office museums unless there's a, a special story connected to it and so we have that in banting with insulin well okay uh, there's no diabetes in my family so there's not the draw and so uh, with the way that we set up the museum we can we yes insulin is, is our story but we're finding other ways to bring you in so we touched upon his art before and, and as I say we finish our tour with his art and again that sort of hits people you mean he painted too because you know we give a hint that they're going to see his art at the beginning of the tour but there's so much information to get to that point 45 minutes later you sort of forget and then you say right. oh right he painted as well and why do you have a group of seven painting in here mm-hmm. and uh well that's not that's one of bantics and it just dumbfounded mm-hmm. looks so um and so we've really played on that aspect where I didn't not market the insulin side of the story, but it was, it was the, the, the Paul Harvey, here's the rest of the story uh, <laughs> right. type of uh, approach the, to, to his story. Um, uh, and it runs around different parts of the year. So we celebrated the centenary of the First World War. And so we played, uh, promoted his military career in the First World War. Uh, as a, as a wounded veteran at the Battle of Canal du Nord, and we have his, his military cross and his medals, and his journey into the First World War was an int- was an interesting one. Um, you know, this year marks is our hundredth with the idea, so we're really going to play that. But it's also the hundredth of uh, the first show of the Group of Seven, and so we will be tying into that. The Second World War it catches people really off guard because we don't know how. I mean, People don't know how he died, and you know. Mm-hmm. And when you point out, you know, he died in the service of his country, and well, what, what did well, what did he do? And so, you know, leading researcher and, and coordinator of Canada and the Allies Military Medical Research Program. So things like uh, mustard gas, gas treatment, uh, anthrax, biological and chemical weapons. Not it wasn't really his cup of tea, mm-hmm. uh, but answered the call. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's your duty to do so, and you never throw you know, duty, honor in front of Banting. Uh, okay, right. I'll do it. Um, the Frank's flying suit, the G suit for fighter pilots that we were talking, discussing earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone knows, everyone's seen a fighter pilot with, with these suits or they've seen in the movie. Yeah, well, you know, uh, and it becomes a really neat thing f- for us as Canadians because yeah, that's us. Yeah. I always thought it came from elsewhere. No, no, that was that whole project started here, and we and we were able to have a couple of London connections with the decompression chambers to simulate high altitude flight. So it becomes this real. Uh, we know we as we mentioned earlier, we know Banting with that singular moment in time with that discovery insulin, and we're not really taught about the other stuff because okay? it does. It is. What else do you need to know? savior of millions and and you know and for years i was good enough and then by the 80s you know we're to see oh guess what he's a bit of a flawed character as as all humans are you know type of thing um and so that's the the when people come through here uh, a lot of times they say gosh how am i supposed to get in my car and drive now 
this I'm, I'm pretty overwhelmed about someone I knew and really knew knew nothing about mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's uh, just as we say you know you're happy when a visitor cries because you you've, you've done your job because they get it you also feel a bit sheepish when you know I'm really embarrassed I didn't know this mm-hmm. how, how did I not know this why are we not taught about this in school and uh, well there's there's only so much and uh, let's say the discovery insulin is a nice nice legacy to, to hang your hat on and uh, so we're fortunate to be able to, to share some of those others yeah. what are you looking forward to sharing this year with the centenary and centennial of the well of that fateful night yeah I th- um, sort of enhancing the the London connection to this story uh, full disclosure I'm a Western grad and uh, University of Toronto gets all the story because uh, ins- and rightfully so insulin was discovered at the University of Toronto uh, but there is no there is no U of T story without Western U and I think that's one of the things that we're going to be doing up until Banting's death in the 1940s everyone knew about the London connection to the discovery of insulin it's even in the a comic written about Banting in 1940, uh, 41, shortly after his death, um, you know, talks about London and Western. And that sort of got lost through the filter of time. So uh, we have a number of projects uh, uh, underway. We're, uh, we'll be submitting for a plaque uh, up at Western for part of their plaque program, and hopefully they'll, they'll approve. Um, we are trying to create a sort of Banting's London with a couple of events. We're toying with the idea of creating a, a speakeasy event around mm-hmm. Banting's legal alcohol pres- uh, prescription because we really partnered with the Old East Village community. We have a couple of distilleries now, a few breweries, so that'd be a nice way to, to uh, uh, you know, stealth educate. Here's a Banting connection, you know, right. uh, type, type of thing. Uh, one of the things we're really looking forward to is we've commissioned a play. And it went from a one-person play now uh, as a playwright has been able to get engrossed in the story and, and done a, a couple of tours. So now I'm thinking it might be three to four. And, and um, I think what's going to be really fun is he wants to do uh, one play where it ends at 2 a.m. on October 31st. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, the play wow. will end at the moment of the idea. And I think that will be, that, uh, will be a really... Um, uh, a great experience uh, for yeah. people, um, and it kick, which kicks right into November, which is Diabetes Awareness Month, uh, and then November fourteenth, which is Banting's birthday, and is celebrated around the world as World Diabetes Day. So I think we're really going to try and capture uh, that London story, and then use this as a as a platform for uh, Diabetes Canada, who's the stewards of this property. Uh, they're burning platform for 2021 and the 100th anniversary celebrations mm-hmm. there so that mm-hmm. we're going to try and make as much of the focus on that london period starting in in, in june right through until he leaves in may of uh may of 2021 uh and then then it becomes toronto story and because we want to make sure we're not confusing the public because right. there's a lot of you know insulin was discovered in, in london no, London. A uh, great quote from the from the uh, from the twenties. Insulin was, as it were, born in London. Toronto is where it grew up and was educated. Hmm. So let's preserve the birthplace of insulin. And so that's what that's what we'll be we'll be focusing on. And then in twenty twenty one, we have a really neat exhibit coming up uh, on um, one person's journey uh, with 
through diabetes, which is, uh, and that's about all I can say right now on that one, but it'll be, it'll be worth, uh, it's not a modern story, I'll put it that way. Okay. And then um, right through 2022 will be the 100th anniversary of insulin successfully being tested in humans, and we've now we have it. And then 2023 will be the 100th anniversary of banding, uh, winning Canada's first Nobel Prize. Oh, wow. And so we'll be uh, doing a show on that and, and sort of a bunch of little little things in between. It's going to be a busy, busy few years. It goes back to, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's a, you know, three years and out. Well, yeah. I guess, you know, you know, if, if uh, God willing, you know, in the, the next three years, I'm still here. Right. There's, there's, there's too much to do and it'll be exciting. And, and it will be, um, insulin is Canada's gift to the world. Uh, and uh, this would be a great way to share that story, uh, not only with Canadians, but the world who will be who will be coming here for sure. Right. Uh, before we wrap up here in a second, we we need to talk about the exterior of the house and the and outside here the statue the statue and the flame and all that that we didn't even touch on yet. We, we brought up the flame, but we didn't see what it was. Okay, so um, as part of Banning House National Historic Site, uh, we have Sir Frederick G. Banting Square, which is only one of two named public squares in the city of London. And uh, it was it uh, started off as sort of just a, a nice green space and, um, uh, and then plans came about. And so uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, the, the Queen Mother, uh, was going to be in Canada in 1989. It was the 50th anniversary of the royal tour when she was here. And the the board here said, you know, let's find a way. The museum was just opening. We had a great opportunity uh, to have a royal visit. And so they wanted to come up with something. And so uh, the, the notion of the Flame of Hope came about as this uh, burning symbol and uh, not only to the lives lost, the diabetes, but also that symbolic fight to find a cure and so since the magic is going to be here uh, this is a great board they just uh, there was a lot of do and ask forgiveness later so they just you know <laughs> direct yeah it is yeah. you know and uh, and she graciously accepted and so uh, on July 7th 1989 uh, she lit the flame and the flame stays lit until a cure for diabetes is found and the doctor or team of doctors no matter where in the world they are when that cure is found they're to be brought to London to extinguish the flame and uh, that was to be it and then two years later was Banting's 100th birthday celebration and the International Diabetes Federation uh, had a Congress in Washington and the youth delegates uh, created a time capsule and uh, in recognition of Banting's birthday and the thought was you know where should this time capsule go and and so some of the discussion well should go back to Europe to the IDF headquarters but from what we understand the delegates said no there's a flame burning for us in Canada when that flame uh, is extinguished that means we are free from this disease whoever frees us should be the ones to get the time capsule, open the time capsule. And so that's how it, it was brought up, brought up here. So uh, we were actually more well known around the world through the Flame of Hope than we were as a museum. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time someone got out of their car, quickly ran beside the flame, got their picture taken with it, got in the car and drove, you know, we'd be pretty, pretty well off museum and so you know you you run outside oh there's a museum too oh really you know yeah. and uh i mean we're diabetes canada you know running a museum wasn't really quite in our real wheelhouse in those early days um and so it becomes this wonderful thing and then uh, 
we started to transform the square because you know when, when her majesty was here she's 89 years old she's in you know one inch pumps she's walking on the red carpet as bestowing uh, a royal visit but the, it's it's over the grass mm-hmm. anyway please don't twist your ankle please don't twist your ankle yeah. <laughs> you know and yeah. so and we continue to have these kind of ceremonies uh, and so we've partnered with the city of London and Landscape Ontario and, and they build this beautiful uh, square for us. So we have a sort of ceremonial space at the front where you can walk up now to the life-size statue of Sir Frederick and get your pay, picture taken. And then we have this sort of serene, quiet garden space at the back with benches where people can pause and reflect. And, and we have a globe uh, symbolizing insulin as Canada's gift to the world. And that's where the time capsule is now. And and people are, are are purchasing bricks and putting their own messages, much like the Dear Dr. Banting letters, but smaller, you know, their diagnosis date, uh, putting them in the square. And so it's sort of adding again to that sort of importance of place mm-hmm. for people. Right. And it allows us to do programming. Uh, uh, last summer, one of our volunteers uh, teaches Tai Chi. And so we came up with uh, Tai Chi for Diabetes. It was a program. It's something endorsed by the Australian Diabetes Association. So, you know, it's exercise. It's outside. It's making use of the public space, um, and it's 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 a unique space too because it it uh, uh, they're all Carolinian species because the Carolinian zone which London's in. So all the plants are natives, and so you know we've helped reintroduce bees and butterflies and birds as neighborhood and thing and so it just becomes a really nice a nice nice place to to pause and reflect uh, before you get in your car and you leave mm. there's a lot to do here a lot to take in in this one small area it is we even have a geocache hidden on site which is yeah, also bringing people awesome. in yeah which is which is which is fantastic uh, people are loving it and, we, and uh, again it's just a different way to to engage the community and let them know we're here right and speaking of engagement we need to talk about your social media since that's my mm-hmm. baby, so to speak. <laughs> that's where I'm most comfortable at. Uh, you all have a great social media footprint, and you're on Facebook, Instagram? Facebook, Instagram, uh, WordPress. Okay. And uh, we just uh, started Instagram uh, about five months ago, and mm-hmm. uh, the numbers are slowly going up. It's like, like all small museums, uh, it's a challenge about making time to mm-hmm. create content. Uh, already you know like a, uh, our discussion off air you know i got about 30 things i could post today if i just <laughs> give myself 10 minutes to do it but right. uh, for us it's been a uh, social media has been a way for us to um, in the beginning was just market ourselves mm-hmm. you know uh, as i said earlier we're owned by diabetes canada um, you know marketing museum isn't what we do you know we, we run camps for kids with type 1 we we uh, fund some of the world's leading research in diabetes and uh, treatments and, and, and even a cure so when the internet came about and social media okay here here's who we are mm-hmm. uh, and only in the last you know maybe a year two years we've actually started to become more engaging with our visitors and it's working uh, right. 86 countries here last year through our doors and, and we we actively try to ask, well, how'd you find out about us? Yeah, so I am Google. Yep. And, and uh, so it's been great. And, and now um, uh, we are, are using it as a, as a tool to help with uh, exhibit development, for example, mm-hmm. see what people are interested in. Um, right, that's awesome. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the first time we, we did it was uh, uh, thanks to you. And, I, and I'll, give, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. Uh, on your last visit, and we got talking about uh, 
uh, your project with the tattoo artists. And all of a sudden, we have uh, diabetes representation in art. Um, I knew people had diabetes tattoos. Mm -hmm. A lot of them will just be symbols. You know, I'm greater than my highs and lows regarding their blood glucose. Uh, And so we we put a blog out on on WordPress and explain we're going to do this uh, show. And, um, and then just a couple of links on Instagram and we've had well over a hundred submissions from around the world. This is my t- tattoo. Yes. I'd be happy to be inter- interviewed. And, um, the it's, it's a lot of skulls mm-hmm. you're seeing, uh, on the caduces, the, yeah. um, uh, I saw a beautiful one. Someone on his, uh, on his bicep has a really good, uh, rendition of the flame of hope. A oh, lot wow. of people have Banting's bust. Really? Uh, yeah, wow, that, cool. yeah. Um, and it wasn't just type ones for type twos as well. Uh, a really interesting one came through was a mom. Her daughter uh, has the the Omnipod Dexcom, so where the the sensors actually attach the the arms. Oh, yeah. And uh, so her mom, so she wouldn't feel alone, got a tattoo of an Omnipod on her arm. Um, and uh, lots of blue ribbons, lots of messages, uh, and so it's going to be a, a great show. And and right now we're just um, we're looking to uh, possibly have an artist in residence, a local tattoo artist to to do uh, you know simple tattoos. Probably uh, we you know we might say you know if there's some really big one, something like you know, we're still trying to work those out, but right. it's something. We, we thought we would do here in the museum so people could see um, mm-hmm. and do uh, uh, the, the sheet so other people can see if they wanted one. This mm-hmm. is what they could use. And, and it becomes another way for the community to, to be sharing their stories. And oh, yeah. from, a, from a pure marketing and, you know, it's all about admissions, yeah. this will bring in an entire new awesome people who never thought of going to a banding museum. But if they like ink, well, let's mm-hmm. see. And I know this this artist here in town, or mm-hmm. you know, I just uh, tattoos as art, mm-hmm. which we're going to try and do. We're we're toying with doing a salon style hanging oh, yeah. of them to fill the room, wow. and then also have just uh, as if you're going to a tattoo shop. We'll have the binder yep. with the sheets, and we'll have the 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 person's image, uh, a bit of you know two or three sentence statement of why they chose this one and where they're from to show. And, and we're really hoping, um, we've just been compiling a database right now, so I haven't gone through a whole lot of them. Uh, we've had, we know of one from Germany, we've had one from, from the UK, but it really interesting to see um, if we can get a global representation mm. of mm-hmm. diabetes art. I think that would yeah. just play to the, to the global story of insulin. And, right. know, diabetes knows no boundaries, no border. Right. Uh, and these are people, uh, uh, in North America, a lot of them are medical alert, right? But, you know, yeah. uh, is that the same in South America or Asia, Africa, that type? Of thing? So I think it'd be a really neat. It's it's something we thought was going to be really simple. It's really turning into something pretty complex mm-hmm. because of the of the you know. Okay, well we thought we'd, we we could group them this way, and then all of a sudden you get this curveball. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we're going to have to add this one now and try the different categories. So it's it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's it's a great cultural event, mm-hmm. you know, in that regard. Yeah, a study. Yeah. In that regard. So if people want to reach out, go Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. 
uh, WordPress, so you have your documents yeah. on there. A website as well? Uh, we uh, we don't. don't we don't have a website. Have a website. No. So you're like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just the socials. Does yeah. It that's for us. that's it's the way it's that's worked. That's worked out. Yes. Exactly. You know, exactly. You are doing so much anyway. Yeah. So, so it's it's so it's all uh, you just at Banning House or Banning House NHSC. Uh, you'll you'll uh, you'll find us and uh, hopefully your listeners uh, enjoyed what we had to say and, and we'll we'll follow us there as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm I follow as my personal page and my tattoo historian page. And uh, what's the address here as well, Grant? So if people want to punch it in their GPS, they can find it. It's uh, 442 Adelaide Street North, London, Ontario. There you go. So you guys can punch that in and, and come on by and visit. I'm sure I'll be around because of going to UWO this fall. So I'll be around doing whatever. Purple and proud. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I'm, gonna, I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that. But Grant, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for letting us do it in, in the parlor. This is a pretty awesome experience. Well, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. So take care, guys. I will speak to you later.